Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Well, a huge welcome to you. My name is Mike. We're, uh, we're here to have a night of pressing into the presence of God to ask what God has been doing throughout the last year and looking ahead to what he's going to do this year. This is about our vision in 2021, call it out. And while technically speaking, this is not part of the Renewed Normal series, it does really lean into it nicely. It does lead us into a place where we're ready to be renewed by the presence of God. So if you've got your notebooks, if you're note-taking types, the best types, note-taking types, get them out, get them ready. Get ready for what God's going to say to you. Far better than any words I can say The Spirit of the Lord wants to speak to you and minister to you tonight. Online church, if you're there, can I just encourage you, lean in and engage. Last week, I got the privilege of being in online church. It's Taylor and Adelaide did an amazing job preaching, and and I loved it, but it's so easy to just get a little comfortable on the couch, isn't it? So I want to encourage you, lean in, be ready, be active, be present to engage with what God is doing. So let's start by hearing a story. I want to tell you a story about a man named Chuck. Chuck Colson. He is one of the great Christians of the 20th century. Launched the global initiative known as the Prison Fellowship Ministries. It's an organization that declares that it exists to serve all those affected by crime and incarceration and to see lives and communities restored in and out of prison, one transformed life at a time. Colson didn't come to Christian faith until he was 42 years old. So he, for a lot of you, that's a lot into the future. Colson took his time to get there. And he was driven to work with prisoners in part because he remembered Jesus' words in the Gospel of Matthew that says, I was in prison and you visited me, the very presence of God in prison. See, Colson believed in the power of calling out life in others in Jesus' name. And so where people saw dangerous criminals, he saw the image of God. And he was driven to walk into the prisons and work with the prisoners. And as such, he was awarded the Templeton Prize for Religion in 1993. And in 2012, he graduated to glory, a hero of the Christian faith. That's Chuck Colson. Let's talk about Elisha. Elisha, you know you're doing well when you only have one name. You don't need a second one. You're just Elisha. Like, oh, that guy. The prophet Elisha, one of the great prophets of ancient Israel, not to be confused with his master, the prophet Elijah. Because that's not confusing at all. See, he received the cloak of Elijah. Now, the blessing of the greatest prophet in Israel's history. Imagine you're there, you're just somebody going about your life, and the greatest prophet in Israel's history puts his cloak around your shoulders, which is figuratively saying to them, you are the next great spiritual leader of Israel. You are the one to walk in my footsteps, my huge footsteps. You are going to be walking in them. Elisha spent the rest of his life following Elijah, and then when Elijah passed away, went to be with Jesus, he spent the rest of his life going about performing miracles and rebuking kings and changing the destinies of kingdoms and seeing the supernatural break out and speaking the prophetic over people's lives. And we know him now thousands of years later as the prophet who not only worked miracles, but said, Elijah, when Elijah said, Elisha, what do you want? He said, I want double the power and authority that you had. I want double the presence of God, not out of ego, but out of what can I do with that? What's the impact I can have with that? Elisha said, I want double what you've got. He's got what is known as the double portion anointing, the double anointing. Elisha is a hero of the faith, and thousands of years later, we are still talking about him. 
And God has used men and women from the beginning of time, whether that's somebody who is a more modern saint like Colson or one of the ancient prophets like Elisha, and he will continue to do so. And here is why. Because God sees more in you and more in me than we ever could. God sees potential in every single human life. And right now, if you're here and you feel like you've come to the end of your road and you are just struggling, struggling one foot after the other, God is calling out new life in you in Jesus' name. That's what he does. He always sees more in you than we see in ourselves. Where we see limits, God sees possibilities. Where we see brokenness, God sees a redemption story waiting to happen. Amen. This is the nature of the God we serve. He is constantly looking for the next great redemption story. That's what he is about. So our vision for 2021 is to call it out, to call out new life in other people in the name of Jesus. That is the great need in Counter Church Live, in Counter Church Online. That is the great need for the church in 2021 and beyond, is to call out new life in others in the name of Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that we are looking at people with the image of God in mind. This is not about the power of positive thinking, because at some point the power of positive thinking meets reality with a crunch, and then reality usually wins, doesn't it? If you've ever been through a moment where you feel like, yep, staying positive, staying positive, staying positive, bang, here comes reality, you realise that the power of positive thinking only works up to a point. There's a point where we need to let go and let God do his thing. This is about the idea that you were made on purpose for a purpose. That it doesn't matter your age or stage of life. It doesn't matter what you have been through. God has a purpose and a plan for you. It is redemptive that as we continue to press into the presence of God, God is offering a way forward. And in fact, you might just say this simply, God loves you and he's got a plan for your life. It's really that simple. God loves you and he has a plan for your life. And so the question I want to ask you in Counter Church, is, is this what you want in 2021? Do you want to see the supernatural breakout as miracles occur in your midst? Do you want to see new life come out of you and come out of others in the name of Jesus? Do you want to see the kingdom of God break out in the world around you? That's not as enthusiastic as I would have hoped for (laughs) to see the renewal of all creation. But, you know, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's the vision of God for us. Now, how are we going to do that? Well, we've got these four missional goals. You can see two and a half of them up the back, and they're kind of partially blocked by the camera at the moment. You can see them later. Four missional goals that we're going to be looking at in 2021. I'm just going to go through them really quick. The first, impacting the generations. We are going to be impacting the generations. We are going to be, now and forever, a future-focused church that relentlessly prioritizes the next generations. If you're under 30, you should be pumped about this. But in 30 years' time, I want you to be just as pumped. I want you to be just as excited for the next generation being raised up. Doesn't matter if they're your kids, whether you're having kids or not, doesn't matter. We want you to be excited about the next generations coming through the church, sowing into them relentlessly in the name of Jesus. We're going to put our preferences to death to allow the next generation to survive and thrive in Jesus' name. Always, always. This is a church for the next generation. Here's the second missional goal for 2021. Bible-fed, spirit-led. Bible-fed, spirit-led. We are a church built on God's word and led by God's spirit. This is about building biblical literacy and spiritual authority. We want you to go out in the knowledge of the word of God and obedience to the word of God and see the world changed as a result. Bible-fed, spirit-led. Third missional goal, 
Full, I'm moving fast, I know. I've got places to get in the sermon, not afterwards. Full, <laughs> unless anyone's got dinner plans and they want to invite me to. It's fine, it's fine. Um, for the city, third mission will go, for the city. We are going to be a church sent to be loving good neighbours to our city. Sent intentionally to be loving good neighbours to our city. That means we are going to challenge ourselves to lay our lives down on behalf of the city of Prospect, the city of Adelaide, SA, Australia, the world, to be good neighbours wherever we are in Jesus' name, to see the kingdom of God break out and share the good news about Jesus to everyone who needs it, and everyone who needs it is everyone. And the final missional goal for 2021 is to develop resilient disciples. This is what we're about. This is who we are as Encounter Church. We are always developing resilient disciples, shaping followers of Jesus who are mature and deep and last the test of time so that no matter what you go through in your life, no matter how stormy the seas seem, on the other side, you will come out with the peace and joy of the Holy Spirit because Jesus has been with you the whole time. That's a resilient disciple, not just getting through, but getting through with joy. Amen. So those are our four missional goals, impacting the generations, Bible-fed, spirit-led, for the city and developing resilient disciples. These are the goals we will focus on as we call life out of one another in Jesus' name in 2021. What could possibly go wrong? Here's what could go wrong. We could go wrong. Because the problem with setting visions and missional goals and things like this, and it really depends on your personality. Some of you come and you're natural optimists and you're like, this is the best. Yes. I mean, that's me. I'm like, I'm a puppy. So I'm just like, yeah, come on, let's go. Come on. Um, And some of you are a bit more, let's say, let's call you realistic charitably. (laughs) And um, it's okay. Those people didn't laugh. Sorry. Um, (laughs) It's okay. Some some people have a more um, conservative mindset about possibility. And, uh, and you're in there th- thinking, okay, you can't just say things and make them happen. Isn't that just kind of the power of positive thinking? Isn't that what you just said this isn't about? And you've got a point. Here's the problem with calling out life of other people in Jesus' name. See, Elisha didn't just get the mantle from Elijah and then become the greatest prophet in Israel's history. In fact, he looked at his old life and he realized it wasn't compatible for the life that God was calling him into. He said, here's my old life. Here's what God's calling me into. I cannot make them work together. And the trouble with us, church, is that's what we try and do. Here's what Elisha did. Elisha was the son of a wealthy landowner. He was was a very rich young man, Elisha, son of Shaphat. And he knew that the temptation to run back to his old life would be huge. So he asked Elijah, he said, I I just want to kiss my parents goodbye. Is that all right? And Elijah's just a really old dude at this point. He's like, I don't care. Do what you want. And so Elisha runs back. But instead of kissing his parents goodbye, he kissed his entire life goodbye. He took his 12 oxen that plowed the field. Right, This was the source of his income. If he doesn't have the oxen, he can't plow the field, can't plow the field, can't raise up the grain and the crops. And if you can't harvest the crops, you can't get the income from the crops. So he took those oxen and he made an offering of them to the Lord. Then he took the plow that the oxen dragged behind it, digging up furrows in the dirt. And he broke that down for firewood and he created the biggest bonfire in the district and just created this massive oxen barbecue and cooked it all up. And then he started to serve out his friends, neighbours and family. And he said, come, come, share what I'm doing. Now, this is generous and this is symbolic to say there's an old life that's dying and there's a new life that's coming. But more than anything else, what it was, was public. 
Because when you do that publicly, do you know what you can't do easily? Go back to your old life. When you make this huge public declaration like, you know what, I'm a changed man. And then you're not. (laughs) Stands out a little bit, doesn't it? Elisha wanted this to be not just a declaration, not just a changed life, but a public declaration of a changed life. It is like the equivalent of baptism back in those days. So Elisha cooks up his old life and runs off to follow Elijah and walk in the mantle of Elisha. Chuck Colson started prison fellowship ministries less because of the gospel of Matthew and more because he had been in prison. Colson was far better known before he was an evangelist as being a political advisor, and not just any political advisor, the worst of the worst. He was the grimiest of the grimy, a cheap tricks artist, notorious for being the toughest political advisor of President Richard Nixon, one of the uh, less, less loved presidents in US history, it's fair to say. I'm just going to leave that there. Um, the, and when it all went downhill around the famous Watergate scandal, which you've probably heard of, or if not, you've heard about any other scandal with gate chucked on the end, and that's why, because of Watergate, everyone came after Colson. Prosecutors, judges, politicians, everyone wanted Colson's blood. His, polit- his legal team were telling him to lie, that they could construct a narrative and he'd get away with it. The prosecutors were telling him to accept a plea bargain, but also by lying. They were claiming that he'd done something that he actually didn't do, and they wanted to nail him for that, but he'd get a a lighter sentence. And in the middle of this, Colson radically finds Jesus. A friend of him, his witnesses to him about Jesus, challenges him on his life, and he breaks down on the side of the road and just starts sobbing and gives his life to Jesus. And he's challenged, what do I do with my life? And in the middle of all these options, he makes a decision. I am going to voluntarily confess to something people don't know I did and go to jail as a result. Now, he didn't know he would go to jail. He threw himself on the mercies of the Lord. And the Lord put him in the hands of the judge, and the judge had no mercy. The judge sentenced Colson to the maximum three years that he possibly could have gotten to serve all three years. And so Colson is in prison as this political advisor who everybody hates, like front page, Washington Post, New York Times News. Everyone hates Chuck Colson. And he decides to make a fresh start by being the lowest of the low voluntarily. He's washing floors, he's doing dishes, he's serving the poorest of the poor and the roughest inmates, and eventually he earns respect, and then he earns the opportunity to pray for them, and then he earns the chance to start a Bible study. And then he gets miraculously released, not from his own effort, but by something happening outside of the four walls of the prison, and a month later, turns around and walks back into prison to begin prison fellowship ministries. You only do that when your life has been transformed. For Colson, it would have been so easy, leave the country, start fresh somewhere else, use his reputation, but Jesus was calling him to something new, and his old life and his new life didn't match up. How's it going for you? How's the new life that Jesus called you into matching up with your old life? Because we, we do this all the time. I've, I've done this. When I was in my mid-20s, I got called into chaplaincy out of a like, really nicely paying job uh, working as a salesperson, and like, like really nicely paying. I'm still regretting it slightly now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow. The, and it called me out of that, and I began to work six, other jo- six jobs in total around, with my chaplaincy job to make sure that it had the same amount of income as I did when I was a chaplain. On a good day, I was working 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and a bad day, it was 4 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I got about a year into this, and I realized I was dying. I was killing myself. 
I had a wife with a baby at home and I was trying to run a youth ministry and do this and I was breaking down. And then I had to come to a realization, did God call me to make the same amount of income or did God call me into chaplaincy? And I knew what the answer was, but I had to die to my desire to make a certain amount of money. And there are some of you in this room, that's what you need to die to. It's the biggest idol probably in Australia today is that I want to be upwardly mobile and make more money. But you've got to die to that at some point and go, God, what are you calling me to do? Because that's the path that leads to life. Now, I can sense you don't all believe me yet. So let's give a little demonstration. I'm going to grab a volunteer uh, who's here that I can grab. Schlicks, you look ready. Come on, matey. Loves that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. How you doing, buddy? Come, please, coming on. The wonderful Lisa Hunter, our hospo queen coordinator. Represented us so well. I, I, I love to uh, City Light East, who are a new church plant that launched this morning. And Lisa and Jared were along there celebrating that with them, with our friends Carl and Beck. We love you guys. And uh, so let's, we do love you, but we got to get back to the sermon. Sorry. Uh, I don't know if they're watching. I do this a lot. Sorry. All right. I'm going to need my, uh, my bag of tricks. Thanks, Tex. When we're going along in life, like Lisa here, we're usually going along with our independence. Now, my story, where God called me into chaplaincy, I was already a Christian. I'm not walking around like the biggest sinner in the world, right? I'm trying to follow Jesus. But God's calling me to a new life, and something had to give. And I tried desperately to hold them in tension. And that is what normally happens in our life. We're walking around like Lisa here, great people, not doing anything overtly wrong, but not doing what God is calling us to do, not you specifically. <laughs> You're a legend. You're doing it. I know. And then something comes up, and we get like, you know... A new work opportunity. There you go. Checking on a, a nice big T-shirt. We get a new work opportunity and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's all right. I can put that on as well. It's great. I'll fit that into my life. It's great. And then something else comes up and we realise we have a bit of conflict in our family. It's like, oh, all right, well, no, I can, I can manage that. I think that's a really wise decision. <laughs> and we say, oh, yeah, 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 oh, I can manage that as well. Yeah, yeah, I know there's a new family dynamic here that I'm trying to deal with. It's all right. I, I can get that on as well. Yep, yep, I'm fine. In fact, do you know what? I'm still pretty comfortable. And then something unexpected comes up with friends, and you're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Lucky it's not like 30 degrees out there and we're under bright lights. It's fine. It's fine for me. Uh, and we, we say it again. We're like, oh, okay. I know I'm carrying a lot of stuff. I know there's a lot going on in my life. I know there's a lot jostling for my attention right now, but I'm going to squeeze it all in. I'm going to follow Jesus as part of what's going on here. That's fine. And then we really get into something sudden and unexpected that happens, and it crops up. And we have to ask the question, well, what can I do with the rest of this stuff? How can I fit this in my life? I'm just going to make it happen. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to, I'm just going to squeeze it all in. Look, it might feel a bit tough, but I am going to get this done. I'm going to squeeze it all in. We're going to be fine. At this point, don't you wreck my puffer. I love that puffer jacket. At this point, we are wearing so much stuff. We're carrying so many burdens in our life. We're squeezing so much in and telling ourselves we don't have time for the things of God anymore that we look so ridiculous that we're not willing to listen to what other people have to say. So we, we chuck fingers in our ears or AirPods in this case, please don't lose them either. 
<laughs> put, yeah, put him in. Put him in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, you're going to play me something, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, little child. Because we can't hear at that point. And in fact, not only can we not hear what other people might be trying to tell us about the wisdom of our lives and the choices we're making in our lives, we don't want to see it either. Actually, you know what? You should put your sunglasses on because these are prescription. This is a good... It's just great. It's great. Do you know the thing is, I didn't prep lease, but this is kind of perfect because this is how we do it in our lives. We're like, I'm fine. I'm carrying all this stuff. I'm wearing it all. It's fine. I'm still following Jesus. Like, are you? Where? Oh, it's about six layers deep at this point. But I'm, I'm, still, I'm still a believer. Oh, okay. How are your spiritual disciplines? Like, how, how's that life with Christ going? Oh, I don't, I don't really have time for that stuff. Oh, okay. So what do, you, what do you mean when you say you follow Jesus? I mean, every five years we do a census and I tick a box that says Christian. And my life is empty and full of material possessions and difficulties that I don't know how to handle because the power of God and the Holy Spirit is not leading me in my life. And every time someone tries to say something or tell me about it, I've got my fingers in my ears and my eyes shut because I don't want to be told how ridiculous I look because deep down I know. I know. I know I'm making bad decisions. I know it's not helping me, but I don't want you to tell me. This is what we get ourselves into, church. Thanks, Lise. I said thanks, Lise. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks, mate. We appreciate you. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> this is, is how we do it. We get convinced that what we need is everything. And in the West, this is so prevalent. We want more, more trinkets, more toys, more opportunities to consume, more Netflix subscriptions, more things to entertain us so that we don't have to think about the depth of our soul and the state of our life. We want more and more and more, and God is standing there in front of us, waving his arms, going, do you want fullness of life or do you want fullness of possessions? Do you want the spiritual life that God is calling you to that is world-shaping kingdom breaking, like breaking down barriers in Jesus' name that is bringing people together and transforming the world, or do you just want to sit back on your couch and watch Netflix? And I ask that because a lot of us right now, deep in our hearts, are like, if I'm being really honest, what is it that God is calling you to, to live for in 2021 so that something needs to die in your life right now? Because in order for there to be life in you, the life of God, something has to die. This is the way of it. For Chuck Colson, his old life had to die. He could not be part political manipulator, part prison fellowship guru. For Elisha, he could not be part wealthy landowner, part nomadic prophet. For me, I could not be part earning lots of money office worker and part on the ground chaplain with kids. It just didn't work. For the new life to come, the old life has to die. Church, what is it that Jesus is calling you to put to death in your life right now so that you can live for him in 2021? That's the question. That's the question. Let me give you two on-the-ground, real-life examples where I've seen this happen in people's life. This is really, really simple stuff. 
Uh, a friend of mine um, decided to give up social media. And um, I asked them how long for, because a lot of people give up social media. And they said six months. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty long time. All social media for six months. They said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you, you want to go off the grid. You're disconnecting. And they said, oh, no, no, no. I, I actually love all that stuff. But I just found it's dragging my focus away from Jesus. It's distracting me. And I just sense God challenging me to give it up for six months. Oh, so do you think it's bad? No, it's not that it's bad, but it's distracting me from Jesus. Okay. Another friend of mine loved basketball. That was his life. And at one point, he just said, I am giving up basketball. I remember talking to him. I'm like, why, why would you give up basketball? You love it. You're great at it. He's like, because Jesus told me to. And it's dragging me away from Jesus. It's taken my focus away from what God's calling me to. See, none of this stuff is bad. Everything Lisa was wearing up here, everything she was doing, none of it is bad. The basketball isn't bad. The social media isn't in and of itself bad. But at some point, we fill our lives with stuff, church with our own ideas, our own mentalities of what works, what wins, the degree we want, the partner we want in life, the way we want to live our life, the, the level financially we want to get to. By the way, when you get there, you want another one. The car we want to drive, the home we want to own. Oh, not rent. Rent money is dead money. I couldn't possibly rent. What we want, we tell ourselves that we have to have this that I won't find joy if I don't have it. If I don't have the right friends, if I don't have the right girlfriend, the right husband, the right kids, the right school, the right degree, I will not have joy. And Jesus says, if that's where you're looking, you will not have joy anyway. Wow. It doesn't matter what you achieve. It doesn't matter what you're striving for. At some point, you're going to run into trouble. And at that point, you've got to ask yourself, what am I relying on? Because if it's anything except Jesus, you are going to drown. You and I are going to go under if we don't have Jesus in that moment. Right now, friends, God is standing in front of you, challenging you, begging you as we start a fresh year in 2021. What are you willing to put to death so that Jesus might live? Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you're able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.